Along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, I am Colby Daniels. We say hello to Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. Dusty, happy Friday, my friend. What's going on today? Uh, just enjoying a windy, beautiful day, man. Happy Friday. Uh, looking forward to the weekend uh, with um, obviously a, a big night in women's college basketball last night and a big weekend uh, for men's college basketball, especially for Oklahoma, boy, they could, they've had their woes on the road. They could really use a win against Kansas at home tomorrow afternoon. They, they absolutely could. You mentioned the wind. Um, if anybody is looking to do some traveling and doesn't want to fly, just get a sail, and I'm sure you can arrive at your destination in nearly the same amount of time today. Can you, yes, can you put that? That sail needs to be on my truck, uh, which I am uh, currently. I'm driving to Grand Lake, uh, and I, I can assure you we're getting every <laughs> bit of that win. Uh, it is uh, two hands on the wheel, uh, to say the least, but you're right, man. That's it is, right. It is a, a little blustery, some cold weather blowing in on us. Yeah, you know when you're when you're double fisting the steering wheel that the wind is, uh, is an issue on, on that particular day. So I dealt with the same thing earlier this afternoon. Uh, you mentioned college basketball. Yeah, it's a big weekend for obviously Oklahoma, and you know you look at at the postseason and and everything that they want to uh, achieve this season. And you know I kind of compared it to the football season a little bit, Dusty, earlier this week, where I think if you look at OU as a whole from where they were last year, nobody can deny that they have improved and taken big steps, right? But similar to football, where they also made big improvements. At some point early in the season, the expectation went way above what a lot of yep. people thought, and then you fast forward to this point, and because the expectation went so high, the season somewhat feels like a bit of a disappointment. Absolutely, and that's what happened when you get off to a good start, as they did in both sports. Um, you know, the the expectation you have on a season changes, and that changes the way we feel about it, right? I mean. If you would have said that going into this game, Oklahoma is a top 25 team with a chance to go above 500 in conference play and close in on 20 wins, uh, you, I think you, you would have said before the year, sign me up right now. And that's where you're at, but it just feels a little different, especially with the way that they performed on the road. The only thing I'll say to that is, man, everybody's performed that way on the road, uh, especially in the Big 12. I guess I saw a stat that this is uh, the, the most upsets of top 25 teams going on the road to unranked teams ever in college basketball right. uh, at this point in the season. So, you know, it, it is wild to me. Um, even I mean, look at Kansas. Um, you know, the win that they had against Houston just a few weeks ago at home, and then it wasn't beautiful, but they got a nice gutsy win over Baylor last Saturday at the Fog. But then they go on the road to Texas Tech, and it was just a complete and total – a bit of an embarrassment. So, you know, even a team that has been atop the, the Big 12 for a while is kind of Jekyll and Hyde uh, home and away. And, and that's really been Oklahoma's issue uh, as much as anything. Uh, they've, they've just fared, like a lot of teams, so much better at home than on the road, which is why when you've got a chance to beat Kansas, hand them what I believe their third straight road loss, you've got to find a way to be able to do it. It's a big game. Uh, tomorrow for Porter Moser in Oklahoma, I think go a long way potentially with seeding. A win, I don't want to say it's expected, but given the nature of really good teams falling on the road, I think there's a lot of people that do expect Oklahoma uh, to win this game tomorrow. 
Speaking of Porter Moser, uh, it's year three now. And, you know, last year was obviously not what you would want. Uh, big improvement this year. There are still, I think, some fans that are underwhelmed by the job that he's done since he arrived in Norman. And then it seems like every time a job opens, his name is is attached to that. And I don't know how yep. much truth there is to those sorts of rumors. And some of these jobs are, are lesser than Oklahoma and a couple of them uh, may be greater than Oklahoma. But how do you view, uh, I guess, Porter Moser and, and the comfort level within the program? I mean, I, I don't think he's on the hot seat this year. I do think that there's a portion of the fan base that they expect Oklahoma to be no doubt top 15, top 20 program year in, year out. And for a decent part of this year, they've, they've, they've hovered around that throughout the course of the year. Um, I think just, you know, in year three in most jobs, you expect that to be, you know, the year that it really takes off. And they just kind of floated. It's why it was a, a pivotal year, I think, to win over that portion of the fan base. But I like Porter Moser a lot. I think they upgraded the athleticism this year. I think they still got a ways to go on the roster. And heading into year four, I mean, that you have to own that. That is your basketball team, and you can flip things in basketball as quickly now as you ever have been. So I would say Porter Moser would tell you that he expects, you know, a higher level of consistency and to be a top 15 to top 20 program. I, I don't think that they're far off, but I think that the, the next month of the season is going to have a big sway into how everybody feels, I think, heading into what will be a really important year for and the first year in the SEC. And I know the SEC is getting better, but that might actually be a blessing in disguise for Porter Moser because though you take a big step up in class in football, you don't necessarily in basketball. So uh, who knows? The SEC could potentially be just what the doctor ordered to really have a a, a big first year and what will be another big year for Porter Moser next season. But – the end of this year, don't you think, is going to right or wrong, is going to shape, I think, the way a lot of people feel about Porter Moser, uh, his his first three with the program, and, and what that yep. team's going to look like heading into next year. This is final four to six weeks, man. It's, it's going to be really important that this team performs at a high level. Regardless of what your conference record is, I mean, most people, I think, in this sport are judged by what you do in the postseason, right? And and whether or not yep. you're making NCAA tournaments, what you do when you make the NCAA tournament, do you advance to the second weekend? Uh, I think that is ultimately what is is sort of the make or break uh, situation in, in a college basketball job. Uh, that said, Dusty, I was looking at, at every coach in the Big 12 and their conference records at their current jobs. So taking out Grant McCaslin at Tech, who's in year number one, and Josh Eilert at West Virginia, who's in year number one, Mike Boynton and Porter Moser are the bottom two in the league in winning percentage in conference play at their current jobs. I'm not surprised by Mike Boynton. Um, by the way, what what was that? What, what was the um, – did you have the percentages? Mike Boynton at 41%. And he's in year seven. Porter Moser at thirty six percent in year three. Wow, wow, that's. I mean, you've got to get it up higher than that. I, I would have actually thought they would have been closer to almost identical. Um, yeah, that is that. That's not good. And for my point, not. I just can't figure that one out. I just it sure seemed like, and it has seemed like, you know, even even with the record, it just feels like man, he's still a good coach, right? 
but it's not translating into wins and Stillwater. And well, you're going to have to you're going to have to raise that winning percentage. I will say, you know, nothing against Ron Kruger, but I don't think I don't think Porter Moser inherited a good situation from a roster standpoint. And I think that you know them really try to bolster the NIL and get the roster in order. I definitely think that we've seen strides this year, but it's definitely taken a while. And that 36% win percentage in conference play is definitely reflective of that. But that's there's really no way to put much lipstick on that pig, man. You do not want to be at the bottom of the barrel as it relates to a conference winning percentage. And it doesn't even – and it look, I think everybody recognizes the best basketball conference in the country, top to bottom. But I don't think anybody in Stillwater and Norman want to hear that because – both two very proud basketball programs that the expectation should and is to be better than, than where that's at. There's been a lot of conversation about Mike Boynton's NIL comments uh, the last couple days, and, and you mentioned it just now with uh, the NIL situation in Norman. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what the overall NIL situation is for college basketball because college football is your, your biggest revenue generator of all the sports. Right. And and there just seems to be never enough money in any sport, much less football, which is the one that you have to, you know, really keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. I, I just I, I very much wonder with college basketball being where it is and maybe not having nearly the draw overall that it used to, you know, what what is the NIL situation you think collectively around the country for college basketball programs? It's a question. Uh, I have talked to some coaches about it. I mean, it's, it, it's real. I mean, you gotta, you gotta pay to get kids. I don't know from a dollar perspective, Colby, I really don't. I'm starting to get a pretty good feel for, for college football. Uh, I've, I've talked to enough coaches that they've got, you know, a decent idea. There's real money being made out there. I know there is in basketball, but like, I don't know, like, I don't know what a top 10 player in the country goes for. You know what I mean? I, I just, I've got a much better idea of what a, a starting quarterback is going to go for. I think we've heard Matt Rule and other coaches kind of put that out there, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a great sense. I, what's interesting though, is I think what you said that, you know, a lot of these collectives, the focus is on football. And so the money that does come in, that's where, you know, the bulk of it is going to be allocated. That's, that's the focus for a lot of people. So I think it does force coaches to have to really fight, scratch, and claw, right? With these collectives and making sure that they're taken care of too. And, you know, some some places are going to maybe prioritize or some people that are putting to the collective are going to prioritize, I want that basketball program to be strong, but others may not. And so I'm sure it's, um, sure it's a, a tough situation to manage uh, from, you know, not just a collective standpoint, but then you just kind of have to have naturally some jockeying back and forth. Football wants as much money as they can get, right, to allocate to their players and bring in good yeah. players and keep a good roster. And then basketball coaches as well. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a real conversation and it's a real issue. I just, I don't have any great feel for what the cold, hard, fast numbers uh, are for, for really good players. And, and just that inner working inside of the dynamic between these, you know, different programs, both, you know, really pushing and trying to get every dollar they possibly can, because I, I still don't think it's the end all be all recruiting in both sports is still about a certain level of relationship and development and, you know, places that are putting guys into the NBA, but 
to act like it's not a factor and for some people not the factor, I think we'd definitely be fooling ourselves. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you, it most certainly matters. Uh, and, you know, I, I get for some of these coaches uh, in both sports, it being such a pain in the neck to have to deal with, navigate, and constantly be fighting and jockeying to get as much as you possibly can so that you can allocate and, and try to help secure as good a roster as you possibly can. Tough, tough slate in major college athletics right now for these coaches. No doubt. There, there I think was, was a decent amount of frustration yesterday on social media after Boynton's comments with Oklahoma State fans. Um, partially because it's like it always falls back on the fan, right? Like you have these people supporting uh, and, and programs. And, yeah. So, and, and that, this is the rub. And this is where, again, at least for the, for the revenue-generating sports, I, I just really hope we get it to a place sooner than later. And if that's – is it just football? Does football branch off? Is it football and basketball? Or, or what does it even look like? You know, you've got that D1 project that's out there that essentially, you know, is going to, you know, be able to give – I think it's for scholarship athletes. I think it's a minimum of 30000 Again, I don't know exactly what's going to be supported what's going to not. But with the amount of money, especially at some of these bigger conferences, that continues to flow in – from overall revenue television contracts, the athletic departments have to be the ones fitting this bill, right? They have to be the ones that, that are on the hook paying this because to continue to go out and ask fans and, and the onus be put on the fans to continue to contribute, look, they pay for season tickets. They pay for uh, memorabilia, you know, swag and, and, and all kinds of different gear. And, and they they pay a lot. They donate, they give. I think at some point when you continue to go back to that well and push them, and I don't know if coaches do it intentionally or even athletic directors, when you kind of put the onus on the fan, it puts them in a really bad spot. Again, that's why to me, for the, for the sports in particular, generating revenue and the ones that have this demand to pay these players, there's revenue flowing in. I sure hope we get to a place sooner than later where that revenue comes directly from the athletic department to pay them. And we can get this other stuff, the, you know, the, the NIL world, that's essentially pay for play. Uh, I think you get the collective aspect under control and quit asking and demanding so much of your fan bases, because at some point, man, they're going to, they're just going to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm tapped out. I've had enough. And, and look, I mean, I, I get it from both sides, right? Like, I think Mike Boynton is right. Like, they need NIL help. And I, I think that both things can be true, right? And and the fans can be yeah. frustrated with having to contribute so much. And then there's the, the chicken and the egg situation as well, where I think there's a certain portion of fans that say, start winning and I'll start spending money. And then you yeah. have the other side that says, well, we need, we need some money to, to really help get us kick-started to start winning. And then you kind of get met at this uh, – this crossroads, if you will, of, of both sides feeling like they need the other side to make the first move. hundred percent. I think you, you put that in perfect perspective and I, I, hate, to, I hate to, you know, say this. I just kind of feel for everybody. It's a, it's an off. Uh, I feel for the coaches that have to, you know, kind of go out and I don't want to say beg, but do whatever they can to drum up the money, I just, I don't like any of it, but, but we are currently in this world. I thought, I'm sure you guys played it, 
I played it on my, my national show last week. The Kevin Wilson comments on signing day. I mean, how about that? How about him reading? So I don't know if you heard it, but him reading the text message that he had from the player. I mean, I, I, and that's it. Again, no disrespect. That's in Tulsa, you know, and, and he's talking about, right. you know, that being the first game. What, what did he say? One of the kids said 10,000 a month. I mean, like, what? <laughs> like, my goodness gracious. Like, it's just, it's, it's wild. And, you know, for him, I mean, and for a lot of places, you know, there, there's not this big slush fund um, where they can just go full from it. And, and right now it's just, uh, man, the whole thing is, uh, it's a bit out of whack. I'm a hundred percent pro, especially in revenue generating sports, the student athlete being able to maximize and monetize off their name and its likeness. And if there's money put in there that the revenues are coming in and, and they can distribute that to players. I'm all about it, but you know, just across the country, just being expected, I can play football. That it's a it's a seven to ten thousand dollar a month stipend that's coming my way from some collective at places even like Tulsa. I just think that that's a pretty good sign that this thing is is so far out of whack. It's not even funny. Absolutely. Speaking of college football, we we talked on Wednesday about the Oklahoma win total. Uh, we ran out of time and didn't get a chance to talk about the yeah. Oklahoma State win total. But Dusty, I, I, maybe they know something I don't. Um, considering Oklahoma State's schedule, I think in comparison to OU's schedule, uh, seven and a half wins for the Cowboys in this Big 12, to me, seem very low to the point that I was asking, like, what do they know that I don't? And when you look at the overall Big 12 win totals, to see six teams with a higher number than the Cowboys was a little bit shocking to me from Bet Online. Shocking, one million percent. I I thought the same thing. Uh, we just went through some of these win totals uh, last couple of days on our show. That one, as much as any, shocked me. Now this past year shocked me too. I thought that the win total was at six and a half going into this past season. I believe it was low, and I thought that was crazy. And that's with way more question marks last year than there is this year. I, I don't know. I don't know kind of where that comes from. Um, unless, you know, you're basing it off of, well, when not as much is expected of Mike Gundy, he's outstanding. But when a lot's expected, maybe they fall short. I, I think back to, what was it, yeah. two years ago, after they are inches away from – from winning a Big 12 championship, and then Spencer Sanders is coming back for what would be that 22 season, and they fell pretty far short of expectation that year and then bounced right back. Last year, well, it wasn't my – maybe it's – because outside of that, and that's – to me, that's guessing. That's rolling the dice. Um, it's making too many assumptions because I just see far more answers and questions in Stillwater right now. And to your point, when they had the schedule released, I thought it – broke really well for Oklahoma State. I thought they got a very favorable draw, so I, I didn't get it. I, I honestly expected their win total to be eight and a half or nine, and I thought more nine was going to be kind of where it fell. Uh, so when seven and a half came across, uh, you know, I, I don't have any good answer for you because I thought the exact same thing as you. I thought, what do they know that I don't know? Because from where I'm sitting, I see eight wins. I don't want to say it's easy, but I was thinking this could be a 10-win type of team next year. Like, I, I think they could be a double-digit regular season win team. And to see it set where it's at, I just – I was surprised, man. I was really surprised. 
Well, I mean, half of their games are against teams that uh, have a win total under six. <laughs> I mean, that, that, which means you should, you should, I mean, just run through at least half the schedule. And then if you just split the rest of them, I mean, that's, that's a winning season easily. They don't leave the state of Oklahoma. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they they don't leave the state of Oklahoma for the first six weeks, do they? they I mean, sorry, they leave one time. Is one, it one time. time. Is it one that's time right. in the first. That's what it is. Yeah, because one of the games is in Tulsa. I know it's a road game, but it's in Tulsa, and they have what four home games out of their first six? Is that right? That's right. So I think five of the first six games you're in the state of Oklahoma, and I I get that that. Yeah, that Utah K State stretch is tough early, but I still think. Am I crazy to think they could be five and one at that point? And then I, it almost seems like I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but the schedule actually leans out after that. You know, that early gauntlet they have to go through, which I'm not as worried about, given the fact that they're a veteran team with a lot of key pieces back in key places. You got five starting offensive linemen back. You got the best running back. And America back. You got your number one target, a wide receiver back. You got, we'll see. I'm not saying Alan Bowman's just going to light the world on fire, but you got a veteran quarterback who just won you a lot of games, took you to a Big 12 championship, and potentially he may get outplayed. And then defensively, you got an all American candidate, a linebacker. You got a guy that's got crazy upside in Kendall Daniels. And and you got just I, – I just see players all over Colin the place Oliver, in year two yeah. of the defense. So, Colin Oliver, yeah. who could easily be an All-American candidate as an edge rusher, I I don't I'm, – I'm confused, man. I don't I don't quite understand it. Like, if they go under that, it'll be a, a massive disappointment in my eyes based off what I think this team should be capable of. Yeah. And I do think it's also important that, you know, to start this new Big 12 kind of – you know, saying this is who we are and this is going to be our league moving forward. It seems like they've got the kind of team to do that in the first year of this new Big 12. I couldn't agree more. I think in those first six games before your bye week, even if you lost to Utah and Kansas State and went into the bye week four and two, you come out of the bye week with at BYU, at Baylor, Arizona State, and at TCU. I know three of four on the road, but you get the bye week before that stretch. You get another bye week after that stretch and TCU of those teams is the only team that is projected to have a win total that would get them to a bowl game. So, I mean, it's road games, but against, you know, some of the teams that are projected to be toward the bottom of the conference. So unless some of these teams are just so significantly better than, than anyone thinks uh, I, you know, I have a hard time seeing where they pile up the losses that would even get them close to that. But who knows, man? They they uh, those people know what they're doing when they put these things out, and there's a reason that uh, it's such a a big dollar business. It is, and it is. But I I I like the over. I would have to imagine it's way juiced uh, to the over. So I would imagine you have to pay yeah. a premium at that seven F. So uh, college football, EA Sports twenty five. Uh, officially, we knew it was coming out this summer, but the official announcement. Yesterday, and they had that little video from the Rose Bowl that was nice. A uh, couple of questions for you. Will NIL transfer portal, will that be a part of the um, the dynasty mode? You're going to have to go drum up, spend time uh, <laughs> digging up money from collectives instead of recruiting? 
I sure hope so, right? I mean, if we're going to make it as realistic as possible, I sure hope so. Yeah. And I, I saw a great idea yesterday. I, I saw that somebody throw out the idea that, that EA Sports needs to put out a companion app so that in the off seasons, when you're having to do your recruiting and, and NIL and oh that, that you can do all much. that via that's your phone much. instead of sitting in front of the console. Okay, well, that's good. Yes, no, I like that. That's right. Okay. Well, I thought you just put turned that thing off and you worried about it when it was on. 24-7 actually having to recruit the people, that's where it could go next level almost bad because, man, if, if you're getting messages crazy. constantly yeah, having crazy. to entertain recruits, uh, that <laughs> – I mean, at least these coaches, they're getting paid for it. You would be doing that uh, as as pleasure, uh, at least I think. But uh, I, I'm fired up for the game, man. I can't wait. It's going to be um, – Madden's obviously awesome, but there's something, something special about college football. And I did see a projection on EA uh, Sports' uh, highest-rated players. It had Ollie Gordon as the only projected 99 as the highest-rated wow. player on the game. That'd be pretty sweet. If the first time back in 10 years, you're the highest rated player on the game. That's a nice little, uh, nice little feather in the cap potentially for, for Ollie Gordon. We'll see if Ollie Gordon has uh, Bo Jackson Tech Mobile vibes. Just running through people. <laughs> like every right. time they, they explode right. and they try to tackle him, that would be, uh, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Hey, uh, I, I do want to mention this real quick. How cool was Caitlin Clark's record-breaking three? Oh, incredible, man. Like that. Incredible. I mean, she literally, I mean, she is the, the women's version of Steph Curry. I mean, where she can pull up from and just her skill shooting and passing the basketball is insane. I just, for really the only female player that I know that, you know, drops logo threes like it's like they're free throws, for her to purposefully make that shot to break the record and to score eight points in the first two minutes and 12 seconds. And then she goes on to having her career high, breaking the Iowa, uh, you know, single game record and 13 dimes to go with it. Like what a stud, man. She's incredible. That was, that was awesome. Like that, it, you know, there was a lot of build up nationally. Everybody was talking about it for her to deliver like that. That was uh Stone Cold Killer, man. She, she's the real deal. That was impressive. I, I, I said yesterday, you know, I know that, that women's basketball has, has grown tremendously over the last 10 years, and there's a lot more people watching it than, than ever before, but it's still not a mainstream sport. But Caitlin Clark's name is mainstream, I think, among sports fans. And you don't have to follow women's college basketball to know who Caitlin Clark is, and I think that is probably the biggest testament toward how good and what a superstar she is. I, well said, there's no doubt, man. She is, she's must-see TV. I mean, uh, $9.9 million last year for that national championship game against LSU, which, you know, speaks to, to her greatness, and we're all witnessing seeing something different that everyone's intrigued with. But at the same time, it's great for all those women playing basketball. Like, and, and I'd say women's sports, whether it was Nebraska with the volleyball game to kick off right before the football season in the football stadium, what OU uh, softball, I think, has done an elevated, you know, softball on the women's stage, and it's, we always talk about how much we enjoy that, to now women's basketball, am I crazy to say that it feels like there's a real significant uptick right now yeah. in women's sports? I and 
and Caitlin Clark going out and doing stuff like that is only going to help that all the way around. So good for them. Absolutely. Dusty, have a great weekend at the lake, and we will catch up on Monday, my friend. Sounds good, buddy. Have a great weekend. That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I am Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We'll take a timeout. This is the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.